Hey everybody, I know sometimes we uh, we just have our normal intro for our guest, but very often, very rarely do we uh, do a little talk about before, but our guest was such a cool guest that we had on, uh, and joining me to help talk a little bit is uh, Jenna. Welcome again. Hi everybody. Hey. Uh, you know, we, we talk with Luke Gygax, and we talked so long, we, we, we made it into two episodes. It's probably the first time we've had two episodes. Uh, and I was kind of worried when I first was in contact with them because he gave me like one hour blocks and, and a 45 minute block. So I just thought, you know, we got to do it quick. But uh, we ended up talking for uh, about three hours all together and we recorded about an hour and 50 minutes of uh, just everything. We covered D&D, mental health, uh, his family, uh, just all kinds of stuff. A lot of military talk because uh, Luke was in the military and still is uh, for the last 38 years, which is incredible. So, yeah, we just uh, we'd let everybody know that um, there's going to be, you know, we don't just talk about D&D. We talk about uh, Luke's father. And <laughs> that just sounds so corny. Uh, we talk about Gary uh, kind of like... Father. <laughs> talking about the, the history of you know D and D from his perspective, um, and just the trials of it out through the years, and and you know what he does now with Gary Khan and what he's been doing. Uh, and the second episode that we put out is basically going to be mostly military. Uh, you know, we just we dive deep in mental health and military on the second part. So I thought that was pretty cool. So if it ends at a weird note. I ended, I cut the episode where we normally do, if you do listen to the episodes, uh, we do our little fun uh, scenario. Well, I stopped it there because he wanted to keep going. So it, it's a weird break, but, you know, I didn't want to cut a bunch of Luke Gygax's stuff out. So I wanted to keep it all. Uh, and <laughs> and my biggest fear of messing up someone's intro, uh, I obviously did that for this one. So uh, I didn't want to cut it and redo it. We're just going to let it roll. He ended up uh, introducing himself halfway through, which is great. Uh, audio is a little, you know, wishy-washy because we're in uh, three different countries, two different countries. Uh, and so it's, you know, we just roll with it, y'all. Yeah, it was a fun time. Luke is amazing. Um, you know, he's done a ton for the community in general with his military service, but also like a lot, he's done a lot for the D&D and gaming community on his own uh, merits. So I, I really enjoyed talking with him and giving him that chance to kind of talk about all the cool things he does. Uh, he happens to be the organizer of my favorite con, Gary Con, <laughs> um, <laughs> in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Yeah, um, and he also yeah. does uh, uh, charity work. He does the Wounded Warrior Project, which he's uh, he's going to help us hook up Maximum Roll so we can start doing the sponsorship for them, or not sponsorship, but you know, uh, donations for Wounded Warrior Project. And then he does another uh, charity of his own, uh, and he talks about that during the episode. So uh, it's, it's going to be cool. But we're also going to give a shout out because Maximum Roll. Uh, and Chaotic Click Clack, we got invited to uh, be guests at uh, Ice and Dice Convention in um, Cincinnati, Ohio, January 21st to the 23rd. So we're actually going to do some live interviews and uh, Crumpets Kerosene Live 
and babies and broadswords live. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, super cool. I'm very excited about it. Um, there's going to be a World of Darkness reunion there, and uh, Mark Reinhagen and a bunch of the other big names that uh, and creators of World of Darkness are going to do a panel, which I'm very excited to sit in on and uh, just kind of hear uh, about their experience and what they think. Heck yeah, that's going to be awesome. To uh, I was talking to Mark and he was like, oh, we haven't got together in you know, like 20 some odd years. So that'll be interesting to, uh, you know, all these folks coming together again. And we also got some, uh, some other special guests that are going to be there um, that are going to, they've done, ooh, uh, TSR, a couple of the folks from TSR are going to be there, I believe. Yeah. A ton of artists. We have, uh, let's see, who do we have? We have, I'm trying to find the list of people here. Hold on one second. Um, there, there is a website, by the way, everybody. If you just go to uh, www.iceanddice.com, and that'll be their website that you can go to to look at uh, pretty much all the info you need for tickets and getting into the con and getting into that stuff. Because there's also... Uh, registration should be coming up in the next few days and i believe they talked about doing a kickstarter as well so we'll see how that pans out but uh we have let's see you know what actually i'm not going to list a bunch of names because they're kind of pending so i know that mark reinhagen is going to be there i know jenna is going to be there and i will be there uh i know lloyd metcalf he'll be there uh let's see um and those are pretty much all the ones that I can think of that I know for sure because I talk to them quite often uh, because, you know, Jen is right here with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come hang out with us. It'll be a blast. Um, you can watch uh, Crumpets and Kerosene live. I'll be cosplaying some of my characters that I play on the network. Um, That's interesting. You know, it'll be a, a fun time. Uh, we'll, we'll be there DMing, um, you know, some of the cast and uh oh yeah so the ticket prices it's 35 dollars for a regular badge for the entire weekend 75 for uh i believe it's 75 or 85 for the vip pass 75 75 for the vip passes which is awesome because there's a dinner you can get involved uh you can also sign up to like uh, sit in some of our interviews. We're going to interview, hopefully, every special guest that we have there. So you'll have a chance to sit in the room with us and ask them questions. Kind of like, a, I'm going to try to get five people in there. So it'll be you know, you know, maximum role, the guest, and then five of y'all. And uh, you get to ask questions of uh, some of the guests that you can select from. And let's see, what else? Uh, hotel is $89 per night. So it's $267 plus tax for the weekend. Not too bad. I think the uh, Ice and Dice crew uh, kind of just wanted to make this more like bringing all the little folks together and then making sure that everybody has fun. And I think the capacity is four to 500 people. So not a huge con, uh, especially with today's, you know, COVID and everything. I think it it's pretty reasonable and it's in January. So by then we should, we should be all good to go. 
Okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm I'm an avid con goer. I like to go to a lot of the cons since I was a little kid. I used to go to Gen Con as a as a small child, and um, I'm sure if you've heard any of my interviews, you've heard a little bit about that. Um, I love going to cons. I'm from Wisconsin, so the birthplace of D and D. So I get to go to Gary Con. I live about 45 minutes away from there. I get to go every year. Gamehole Con. I go to all kinds of cons. Um, but I really have to say that I love the smaller cons, the about 500, um, even even up to like 2000. They're just a little bit more intimate. You get to like see people more. You get to interact with people more. Um, and so 500 people, you'll get to, I mean, you'll definitely see us and get a chance to talk to us and talk to the other big, big names out there. I'm, I'm kind of humbled that I was on the gas list because I don't think I'm that big of a deal. But oh. uh, <laughs> I, but you know, I, and Luke talks about Gary Con and how it progressed over the years, which is amazing because they went from a tiny con to a big con. So hopefully that'll be the same situation. So yeah, we just wanted to let you guys know that this episode's a little bit different. Uh, we dive into several different areas. Uh, you know, when Jenna's on there and we're interviewing people, it's mostly because mental health and and that's her professional field. And I figured when I originally first started putting this together, we have another guest and he'll be talking on uh, part two. Uh, he's just retired this month, 20 years in the military. And I was like, oh, it's going to make a veteran uh, episode. And then, then Luke told me he wanted to talk about mental health. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to bring Jenna along. And then, and, you know, we had a great conversation. So I hope all of you guys like it and yeah, let's get this ball rolling. Yeah. Enjoy. Go ahead and give me that sanity check. What? Ooh, too bad, so sad. Looks like you just picked up a derangement, friend. Happy Harvey here, and you'd be insane not to check out Chaotic Click Clacks. That's right, friends. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy and search up Chaotic Click Clacks. Peruse their exotic array of handmade gaming dice. So the next time you're staring into the gaping mall of insanity, you can do so with confidence and style. Remember, Chaotic Click Clacks, where we want to be your clack dealer. Welcome to Maximum Role Entertainment Podcast, where we take the time to interview folks within the gaming industry. And today I have two co-hosts joining me uh, to help me with this very special guest we have. Uh, we have Jenna joining us. She's a certified social worker. She's also a professional podcaster. Uh, she owns her own dice company, and she's the COO of Maximum Roll. Welcome again. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to co-host. Yeah. Uh, our other co-host today is Daniel, and Daniel is a veteran who fought in the Siege of An Najaf and uh, the Second Battle of Fallujah. Currently retired as a master explosive ordnance disposal tech. And uh, he will be spending his retirement working on his next supplement of Dungeons and Dragons underwater campaigns. Uh, they're due to be out fall of 2021. Daniel has published several other things on teamskill.com. Check them out. <laughs> GMskill.com. Good enough. That was my bet. I'm sorry. Uh, obviously now the listener knows we do script some of this. I'm sorry, but, uh, yeah, welcome Daniel. Uh, and Daniel has been on several times and, and to talk about his stuff. So, 
I wanted to bring him on because our next guest is going to be, uh, he is a veteran and still serves now. Uh, our guest today is a veteran of the Desert Storm War, the Iraq War. He's the CEO and founder of Legends Streams and Independent, oh, I didn't write that right. Nope. That's all right. So it's a uh, founders and I'm the founder of uh, Legends, which will be coming up in July. I'm an independent director for a uh, uh, aeronautical manufacturing company named Servotronics Inc. out of Elma, New York. That's my name. And of course, I am uh, the president, founder, and president of Good Omen Productions, which does Gary Khan Gaming Convention in beautiful Lake City, Wisconsin, in March of every year. Uh, that's the memorial in honor of my father. Who is the co-creator of Dungeons and Dragons, a wonderful game that uh, has sprouted uh, a great uh, industry and had uh, some profound effects on us as a uh, society. And at least that's my opinion. That's right. We have Luke, Luke Gygax. And at the beginning of this, I was like, I, I can't butcher this. And I even got my old man glasses on, but I missed, I, I typed it wrong. And I was like, oh, I totally messed that up. But again, thank you for introducing yourself, sir. You <laughs> well, yeah, it's well, no problem. I, I, uh, I, I have never had a problem talking about myself. I, you know, probably the humblest person you'll ever meet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't mind. Uh, uh, so, honestly, it is really hard to talk about yourself um, in, you know, and try to, uh, you know, claim a bunch of stuff that, 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 that sounds funny. It's like, well, it's, come on, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, I, I guess it's important to recognize accomplishments uh, that you've made. And I think uh, for me, the being uh, in the military has certainly helped me with my leadership, uh, project management, organization, yep. uh, and ability to, to, to get some things done, confidence, you know, in, in taking on new tasks. And certainly the gaming community has been very welcoming and uh, receptive to things that I've done. I've had the opportunity to work in some various charitable organizations through uh, gaming, and even started my own. It's, it's it's nascent. It's fledgling. I started it in 2019, called Game Designers Initiative, nice. which uh, our stated. And of course, I gather money at GaryCon, and we haven't had a, a GaryCon to have an, uh, a charity auction, uh, so the funds are are pretty low. Uh, but we have uh, helped out at least one person. Our our purpose is to assist uh, creative people in the tabletop gaming industry and veterans with unexpected bills from such things as, uh, you know, an unexpected, somehow they're homeless, maybe there was a, a fire or more commonly medical problems and they're underinsured. And a lot of people need help with that. Uh, and if we're lucky enough to bring in uh, lots of donations and we don't have uh, avenue to spend it on, our second avenue would be to take care of their families, uh, their children through uh, grants, uh, scholarships and things like that to help them uh, become educated and work and carry on the line of work, hopefully in the tabletop uh, game industry. So uh, just a lot of different things that I'm doing besides uh, being a father of uh, three little girls and uh, a soldier, a full-time National Guardsman. I'm the executive officer for the 224th Sustainer Brigade, the Dragon Slayers. Uh, so I keep a pretty full, pretty full schedule. Did, yeah. did, did you get to name the brigade or? Uh, I did not. We're the yeah. Dragon Slayers have been for many years. So uh, unfortunately, they're aligning, realigning forces under division. So I'm so old. I remember when <laughs> we went to the brigade centric con concept, uh, which has been 
who used to call them units of action and that was yeah, like 2003 yeah. or four yeah brigade so, combat teams yeah, yeah so that yeah bcts right we've got our brigade, yeah. brigade centric stuff uh now they're going back to divisional alignments and uh kind of associating with uh you know theaters combatant commands so the 40th infantry division which is the california national guards infantry division headquarters uh, we will be aligned as their uh, divisional uh, support brigade and we may lose the dragon slayer uh, lineage which would be a bummer yeah well over here in, in germany my unit was the uh the dragoons and they just changed their their brigade name to the dragons i was like of course you do it now i almost want to rejoin just so i could be part of the dragon brigade. <laughs> That's right. Re-up. They'll get you a cup that says uh, dragons on it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Re-up, come on. Oh, that's right. You you explained earlier that you were a recruiter for a while. So I get that aspect of trying to, to, to yeah. bring it back in, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, no, normally we talk about D&D and go into that, and, and we will. But I, I wanted to get the military aspect of it since you, you did serve. And I didn't know that until, uh, you know, you mentioned it. And I was like, I had no idea. So I, I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, look at that. Uh, and it just made me think like, I wonder if like at that brigade level or even like company command level, uh, did you ever have soldiers that intentionally did something? So you had to, you know, sign a form or did they like, come up and like, can you sign my leave form instead of having it digitally? So, you know, like, uh, actually, yeah, I've, I have uh, sworn in, I've, had some people pretty excited to have me enlist them or re-enlist them into uh, the National Guard. I had a Navy E5, I think it was. I forget what they call them. It's whatever it was. Those Navy guys have weird ratings and all yeah, sorts yeah, of stuff. But he was in Florida, and so his uh, the captain of his of his vessel uh, agreed to let me swear him in by Zoom. So uh, I did. That's <laughs> so pretty that I cool. Could, uh, yeah, because he's, he's a big gamer and he thought that was neat. So yes, I've had that. I've had that. Uh, I've had uh, generals <laughs> in the card talk to me about gaming and that sort of stuff. So it's pretty oh, cool. And nice. unfortunately, I opened my big yapper when I was doing a senior uh, senior raider counseling with uh, the commanding general of 40th ID, uh, Laura Yeager, uh, a major general, Laura Yeager. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mentioned that I had had an opportunity to speak to uh, the School for Advanced Military Studies, one of their classes, you know, 16 people, not the whole thing, just, just a right. class. Uh, on um, creative thinking and decision making uh, for an hour, and I said that was really cool. And it's purely from my, you know, my legacy that my father passed on to me and being able to make that tie-in. And she's like, "Really? Okay, so you know gaming?" She's like, "Great. We have this new urban <laughs> urban environment school oh, where we're, no. we want to we want to examine megacities. So guess what? So I got roped into." Uh, now I have to figure out the capstone exercise for this nascent, this brand new uh, uh, urban urban environment, uh, urban oh, warfare school <laughs> that's that being put sucks. on by Forty of the Infantry Division. I know that's so like, oh man. So I guess uh, I will, and that's of course. It's not like I get extra time to do that. That's just here you go. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. I'll get right on that. <laughs> it's not like oh, I get a bonus for doing that. It's it's, it's like. Hmm. No, <laughs> on top of your extra duties, uh, we need this actually done too. So that's pretty yeah. neat. That, that's <laughs> but it is, really cool. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, that's, it's honestly, it's really neat. And I'm sure I'll have some help because uh, the guys who, you know, the civilians, you know, they, they all used to be soldiers and, and uh, they provide mission command support training and that sort of thing. Uh, 
uh, Mr. Shapansky and Mr. Master are both tabletop war gamers, you know, old school, yeah. you know, cardboard shit type gamers. So I'm sure I can lean on their skill sets to help develop something. It's just, you know, a four hour period to do intro it, do the uh, capstone exercise uh, for a class of like 30 people. So it's going to yeah. have to be, you have to figure out how that's going to be done. And then, to, you know, have, have them do a wrap up on it. I, I I'm thinking I'll do just, something. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Just say, I, I, I'll tie this back to gaming. Um, I, I was thinking I might do something that's kind of Bronstein-like, which is uh, the precursor to uh, d and It's kind of the spark that launched uh, role-playing role playing gaming. A gentleman named David Wesley, who is a major in the Army, uh, might have been the Army Reserve, or it might just might have actually been in the uh, active duty. I don't recall. I have to ask him. He's still alive. He still comes to Gary Khan. Good guy. Nice. And uh, uh, so essentially, he made a game where there's this fictional town of Bronstein in a Napoleonic uh, time frame, and there are several different players, but they'd all have their own victory conditions. And someone would be the mayor. Somebody would be the leader of the resistance. Somebody would be a military commander. But you all had different goals, uh, victory conditions. And people would speak to each other or write notes and pass them through, and the and referee would would be aware of all that. You know, would later be kind of become your dungeon master, right? Or right, master right. is called referee, and they would adjudicate kind of what happened. <clears throat> so that was the that was the idea. And you can play Bronstein at GaryCon, which is a convention that I run in March in Lake Geneva uh, with Dave, and uh, kind of get that experience uh, firsthand. So that that's kind of influencing where I want to take this thing. I think. Yeah. I, I want to just be in the class to see your sand table. I want to see what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. A couple of well, It's going to be a mega city. Oh, so okay. I think we're going to, we're going to have to do something that's probably a digital, digital map yeah. of some kind. And uh, I, like I said, I don't have a whole lot of resources or time for this. So I'm imagining we will pick a city. We are thinking about Los Angeles, but then it would have to be a DISCA operations of defense uh, in support of civil authority uh, because um, we don't want to, even pretend that there would be some sort of conflict, you know, uh, kinetic yeah. action in, in Los Angeles in a, on, a, on a home turf. Or I have to pick a, another city around the world where we could then have more a more conventional engagement. You know, what you should do is in, I was stationed in Korea uh, and we had to do it. It's an entire digital, but you got Osan and all of all, basically all of Korea is already digitalized. And uh, we drove around in the Humvees and uh, the guys like, don't hit anything. It takes so long to reprogram everything. And by the end of it, we're launching mortar rounds into the city. We're <laughs> crashing Humvees into each other. And yeah, he wasn't happy with us. And I was like, ah, thanks for the show. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that'd be a good one. They already have it all mapped out and everything. Yeah, so I, the, the scale this is going to be on is it's it's a pretty much you're, you are on a division staff or you're the division commander oh. and, and, and that sort of thing. So you're, and so it's a probably brigade centric of what you're pushing down to the brigade. So it's a little bit more, you know, it's not, it's less tactical and more, yeah, what are you directing your staff? What actions are you doing? And you know, how are the various factions in the city responding to that? If you take a certain action, how, you know, how does that affect the ecology of the city? And, yeah. and, and so I have to do some reading. I'm not a master of, of the urban environment. Right. Yes. I mean, so for the listeners, uh, that's roughly up to 30,000 soldiers uh, coordinating and moving and several right. different brigades, battalions and, and companies or troops, whatever you whatever the situation is. So it's a big ordeal. But 
Yes. Yeah. I think that's really cool. People. Yeah. It is neat. It is neat. And that's just, uh, you know, you think about it. Uh, when we role play, we tend to think, you know, smaller. Uh, but lots of people, especially way back in the early days of gaming, would would uh, amass armies and have battles, right? And uh, they'd probably adjudicate them on, uh, you know, in that same system because a lot of early role players were, were gamers too because that's yeah. where it came out of. Basically, I know I like that. That's cool. That was a that was a that's a nice dive into to the core. <laughs> yeah, so for all of you who don't care about military stuff, uh, yeah. we'll get back to the gaming stuff. No, no, but I mean, again, I wanted to highlight you know how military and and you know D and D because it it is pretty big in the uh, in the military. At least mm -hmm. every duty station I've been in, I've been able to run games in every country that I'm in. Uh, I did one downrange. Um, and I had like two Afghan soldiers in my party. They didn't know what they were doing, Wait. but they're like, they were That's having cool. fun with it. Yeah, no, it was a blast. And then, uh, you know, we'd be throwing dice and all of a sudden, contact, you know, drop everything. And then you, you know, get to work and you come back. Like, oh, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> but at least you get to re-roll if you, that miss oh yeah i didn't roll yet so uh. I, was, I was waiting for one of my guys to be like let me roll and see what happened you know roll that nat 20 to see if we succeed and i'm like don't jinx us like that good god you've been rolling really low lately i don't want to <laughs> oh yeah you don't want you don't want to mix that bad mojo in real life then. no no not at all have you ever got to do anything cool like downrange i know with the progression of rank and the the whole mm -hmm. um uh, you know, enlisted an officer, and even when you're enlisted, the whole fraternization. Have you ever got to run games while uh, yeah, doing? Yeah, in Desert Storm, I, I ran some DD. I even ran for uh, just a, a short adventure, and I I don't I didn't have any books, so I just did it from memory uh, in D sixes because that's nice. what we had. They had D sixes at the you know the tent PX little yeah. tech annex thing back in the day. So uh, I ran uh, some games for my platoon leader. Uh, Jack Hornberger, great guy. So one of my kind of person I wanted to be like when I became an officer, I thought he was a really squared away guy. And uh, then of course I ran for my, you know, all my friends uh, as well. Uh, I ran, so that's that, that I ran several, several games, you know, in our graph and beers and stuff like that. We yeah. we'd do it, we'd, we'd game certainly just when we're uh, amongst my peers who were mostly lower enlisted, you know, specialists and that sort of stuff. When I was a sergeant, I still did that too. Uh, then in my last deployment, which was 2010, I was a captain, but I played with my, uh, my boss, who was a major, he ran some Savage Worlds, um, you know, but everybody, you know, lots of people were gamers. The S3 was oh, yeah. a gamer, uh, you know, my, yeah, everybody kind of knew the legacy and that was fine. And, uh, we would have, yeah, it was pretty cool. We'd have, uh, Sometimes we'd do games you know, or we'd, uh, because I'm in California in Los Angeles, uh, my boss was also used to be a production assistant. He loves movies. And so he'd break out old movies and kind of, act, uh, you know, Robocop or, you know, Buckley uh, Banzai. And then we'd kind nice. of watch it or Monty Python and we'd have a discussion about it. So it was, it was fun. It was, it was, uh, <clears throat> that was a nicer <laughs> deployment than like Desert Storm, very austere. Right, so like right. I said, no books, nothing, just doing it from, from memory and using d6s and making it happen it's great I, or I chits i think we made chits for your d20 we just tore a piece of paper and stuck them in a in a hat or something gotcha hey, that works that works yeah they used to do that prior because uh, dice so six side dice have been around for a long time and sure there have been dice but they were very rare um up until 
you know, late 70s, early 80s. So we had uh, the way they found so my okay, so a little bit of background. My dad created Dungeons and Dragons in 1974. Some of the precursor stuff was, I think it was late 60s, early 70s, the Bronstein stuff uh, from Dave Wesley. That influenced a guy named um, Dave Arneson, who's also in the Twin Cities area of St. Paul, Minnesota. And he's like, hmm, this Bronstein thing is pretty cool. I think I'm going to make a fantasy uh, Bronstein. And so he did that. And it was just, there weren't any rules. It was pretty much, you just went in his basement and I would be Luke the whatever I was, right? I don't think there's any classes or anything. So I might just be Luke and I'm in the, in, you know, in his fantasy game. And uh, if I did something well, or it was funny, or it made good for such people, oh, like you have a plus one on strength or, you know, hitting, fighting or something like that. <clears throat> then you'd keep a note, but there was no real rule system. But my dad became, got introduced to Dave Arneson, a very small community, uh, through Gen Con, which is a convention my father started in 1968 uh, to bring gamers together. Uh, they were super excited to have 100 gamers in one spot because that was an astronomical number that no one, like, there's 100 war gamers in one spot. That's incredible. Like, oh my God, the myriad of different people you can game with. It's incredible. Because a lot of times it was two or maybe six people in a in a town you would, you would know uh, things were you know there's newsletters so it's a lot slower pace a lot more niche and uh it was hard but my dad was known in the community he did a lot of uh variants in rules uh variant rules and and a lot of writing for for things and even created rule sets and games uh and so he got a hold of this he's like whoa this is pretty neat and he started chewing on it and over a year or so made uh what came to be you know uh, or the original Dungeons and Dragons, you know, three booklets. Um, yep. Yeah. So, uh, where was I going with this? I'm sorry. Oh, dice. No, that's so good. Yeah. my dad was my dad was a he was an insurance underwriter, and so he used to work with actuarial tables, probabilities, and stuff like that. So he realized the kind of weakness of two d six as far as your your bell curve or three d six, the six sided die, right? So if you wanted different sorts of curves, you need to have different uh, dice. So how would you? How would you make those? Uh, there was an art, art supply might have been a school supply, art supply that had uh, like platonic solids that were your that's where your yellow D four, your yeah. uh, pink or orange D six, the green D eight, and the twenty cider that was uh, that was white and had zero to nine twice on it. That that's that original Creative Productions nineteen seventy four set of dice. Uh, and they bought all those out and there was, they were having supply chain management problems. So they went, they went to Hong Kong and got it direct. So those were kind of where the dice came from. Then a guy named Luzaki started making dice in the United States. I don't know if you guys know who Luzaki is, but he's kind of the founding father of dice in the US. And he's 89 and he still comes to GaryCon. He drives himself from Biloxi, Mississippi. Damn. So yeah, <laughs> I, I worry about Lou and I'm like, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Lou's great. Uh, I've known Lou since I was like, since I can remember. Uh, I'm not real close with Lou, but I certainly he was at early Gen Cons. And I, I certainly remember him, and he's a venerable figure in the dice making community. If you don't know Lou Zaki, you should should check it out. Look look it up. So Game Science, I think was his company, Game Science Dice. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so yeah, check that out. Yeah. So dice are a neat thing. I'm looking at doing some dice projects here in the very near future. Uh, I'm looking at the doing a line of dice that are made out of uh, optic crystal 
um, nice. with a, an artist named Jack Storms. We're calling it Dimensional Storms Dice. And we'll probably be launching those uh, with a digital collectible version of it tied to it or non-fungible token NFTs. And then uh, working on the kind of your 1974 creative production set. Uh, oh, nice. Through, a, through a, someone who's also does handmade uh, dice as well. But I don't want to speak too much to that because that's still in the works. Gotcha. Well, that's that's pretty cool. Definitely. Uh, yeah, but all, all your probabilities and stuff's really neat. That's 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 all where it comes from. Is you know, my dad was a was <laughs> was a shrewd pyramid when he wrote D and D, because he lost his job as an insurance underwriter for Fireman's Fund in Chicago, uh, right before I was born in October of 1970. Uh, he lost that job, and I was his fifth kid. So uh, <laughs> it was a it was a tough road to hoe for us. Um, yeah, but it's kind of a neat story. But now you yeah. look at it, and it's huge. It's like it's taken yeah, this, over it, by storm. I mean, yes, uh, unfortunately, I am not independently wealthy. There's a pretty tragic story. Uh, it's not super uncommon where creative people lose uh, their lose their their baby, uh, so to speak, and uh, you know don't have control and and, and get uh, kind of blocked out of the of the game. There, if you want to know more about that story, I think it's it's really interesting. There's a book by uh, a guy who's a friend of mine now. Uh, Michael Whitwer, uh, W-I-T-W-E-R, and it's called Empire of Imagination. It's a great read. It's a biography of, of my dad, and that's uh, that'll give you uh, a pretty good picture of his life. And uh, I would argue it's, you know, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, Mike did a great job on it. Um, so if you want to check that out, I, I encourage you to do yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, and that's the hard thing when you get to a point where, uh, you know, like either you yourself or or a family member build something that grows into like an enormous thing everybody just assumes like everybody's taken care of and everything's <laughs> story that's it's not usually the case and you know it's one of those uh things that you 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 understand and know and it's just everybody around you uh still has this weird misconception of it but to to still be in the world of, of D D and doing parts of uh, like with Gary Khan, which is amazing. Uh, and we can get into that in a little bit. Definitely like to know more about Gary Khan. Although being in Germany, it's so hard to, to like, hey, I'm going to, can I fly back to the States for a con? Uh, we're doing <laughs> ice and dice uh, in January. And I guess that's my one con a year that uh, uh, that I can get away. We have a we have a 16-month-old, so it's hard for me to leave my wife uh, yeah. here. And then, uh, you know, and, I don't want to do that too much, but <laughs> no, it's not a good plan. You definitely got to no. take care of you know, home first, family first. Yeah, home. yeah. But she did say, "Oh, Gary Con, if you can do it, maybe." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. You know, I got excited yeah. about that. So, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Gary Con? Sure. Yeah, Gary Con. Uh, Gary Con has its roots in a very sad event uh, for me and my family. Uh, my father passed away and. Uh, March 4th, 2008. I can't believe it was that long ago. Already time has passed so quickly. And uh, certainly anyone who has lost a parent or someone very, very close to them, I mean, especially a parent, it's just like, it's a life-changing event. I mean, it, it, it really rocks your world and, and you think you can be prepared for it. Um, mentally, you know, I certainly knew my father was ill. You know, he made his peace with all of us and said, hey, I don't have long for this, this world. You know, I don't know exactly when I'm going to go, but but it's going to happen. And he left behind, you know, some instructions on how to carry out his creative works and things. Uh, uh, but, but, but he died and uh, I went to 
Lake Geneva, of course, my family all gathered in our hometown. I was in recruiting command at that time for the National Guard. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's kind of blurry. It's kind of like a, you know, like one of those hard to remember uh, exactly how things uh, came apart just because it was so, uh, so devastating. But uh, what really was a surprise uh, to me is the, I guess, thousands of people that reached out to contact us, whether it was people calling my phone who I didn't know because I wasn't recruiting, so you could easily look me up, uh, and just offering their condolences, uh, uh, people emailing, um, posting on forums, jeez, uh, 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 national figures like uh, the guy who did uh, the Colbert Report, Stephen Colbert, you mentioned many, many other uh, folks that impacted so many people. I didn't really realize the the impact that it had. I knew it was a great, you know, I knew D&D was a huge, huge entertainment for people. And they like, but remember, D&D wasn't as big as it is right now. It was in a, in a lower point uh, of popularity in 2008. But still, so many people said how it had positively impacted their lives in significant ways. They'd had learning disabilities, but because of their desire to play Dungeons and Dragons, that they were able to break through those. And now they were in some, you know, a doctor, a professional of some kind that took a lot of, a lot of, a lot of study and motivated them to do that. People who talk about meeting, uh, they were at low points. Uh, maybe they had a parent who was an alcoholic or a parent who was dying uh, of cancer and this allowed them to escape. Maybe they'd faced some sort of horrible abuse as a child uh, in, in some manner and this helped them cope, adapt, escape and learn to be strong. Uh, and, and I just wasn't aware of all those, the, the, the number of people that had been impacted and how many people who didn't necessarily ever even see my dad at a convention, even walk by him. Uh, but they felt like he was important, that they, that he was an important person in their life. And so they wanted to show their, pay their respects. And people drove to Lake Geneva spontaneously uh, to just be in Lake Geneva. Uh, I don't you know, for whatever reason, because they, they, they felt so moved. And with that knowledge, my brothers and sisters and I said, well, okay, you know, we have a, a small, a small private funeral. Uh, for my father. <clears throat> and uh, then afterwards, I, I, you know, I, I said, hey, well, why don't we have a gathering? And it occurred to me the American Legion Hall would be a great place for that because it was a spot where we used to have uh, conventions, uh, TSR run conventions like uh, Winter Fantasy, Spring Rebel and things like that, that were just small little fun conventions that I remember very fondly as a child. So that's what we did. Excuse me. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And uh, gosh, I don't even know how many people showed up, but we, we uh, people played games, you know, whether it was card games or, or role-playing games. We had a podium set up so that people could share their story, you know, a story about my dad if they wanted to. Uh, and then we played the D&D cartoon and the Futurama episode that my dad appeared in uh, up on the wall and, you know, shared food and drink and games. And it was a great time. And uh, I think it was Harold Johnson uh, who, is a game designer and, and writer and, and uh, worked for TSR. Uh, he said, hey, Luke, this was, this was really fun. You should do it again next year. And uh, uh, Jolly Blackburn of uh, uh, Table, um, Kenzer and Company, he said, yeah, you can call it here. And I didn't, I didn't know this at the time, but in the Knights of the Dinner Table world, there's a character called uh, Gary Jackson. That's a mix of my dad, Gary Gygax, and Steve Jackson, another American uh, game designer, uh, also a really nice guy. Uh, and so that he's the head of Hard Eight Games, which I think is kind of your your TSR uh, yeah. games. So, 
so with with uh, Jolly's permission, I, I I called it Gary Con with a space Gary Space Con. I guess in their world, it's Gary Con together. And the next year, I just rented the American Legion Hall again. My family cooked and everything would have cooperative thing. And I didn't charge any money. I just figured I'd spend you know a couple thousand dollars every year and have fifty or hundred people over, and we'd play games and hang out. So like 175 people came. The Kenzer Kenzer guys brought a van full of product, uh, and they said, "Here you go." You know, ask for donations, and and then they we held an auction in the middle, and and, and Tim Cask and, and uh, you know Frank Menser and uh, other folks kind of auctioneered it, and we ended up raising like $400 more than I'd spent. And I was like, oh. "Well, I'm gonna do this 400 bucks, not like I can put it in my pocket." So. Uh, we had to start a start a business <laughs> to hold this money and, and do something with it. We figured our initial goal was to do a monument or something for my dad in in Lake Geneva, <clears throat> which is a bit problematic to to put up a a monument. Uh, so we kind of pivoted from there and have made GaryCon the you know kind of living memorial, living monument uh, for my father, and it's grown. It's grown. Obviously, we got too big for the American Legion Hall with 175 people that showed up the first the first Gary Con, and we moved to a hotel and I thought, ah, we got plenty of room, but we just grew from 240, 450, 550, up to 900 at the old place and we couldn't fit any more folks in there. <laughs> so I went to the Grand Geneva, uh, which interestingly enough is the, it used to be called the Playboy Club. That's what it was originally constructed for. It's a Frank Lloyd Wright construction who's a famous architect uh, in, the, in the Midwest anyway, for the architect fans out there uh, but it's kind of a rambling sprawling uh, complex but it was the site of Gen Con 10 in I think 1978 so it has roots uh, some gaming history in there and it's now called the Grand Geneva and uh, that's where we have held Gary Con since uh, Gary Con 8 and Gary Con 14 is coming up March 24th to 27th uh, 2022 and we will be back uh, in a doing a physical convention it looks like we have made it past the COVID COVID demons have been successfully slain or perishing now and by then we will be uh, able to gather safely and uh and have some fun and kind of get back to the kind of the core root of what gary Khan is about and that camaraderie sharing the gaming table the experience of being with uh your you know, with gamers making new friends uh new adventures new stories and it's been pretty amazing uh that's the big payoff for me, yep. uh, running a gaming convention, <clears throat> I suppose, you know, if you run a big gaming convention, you can probably make money because of economies of scale. Mm -hmm. uh, but GaryCon is in a town of about 6,000 people, and we can maybe fit 25 to 2,800 people into the facility that we're at. So uh, not a giant money-making <laughs> money opportunity, but it's a heck of a lot of, it's a heck of, a lot of fun to be there. And mm -hmm. to see all the smiles on people's faces and to kind of uh, uh, be able to carry on my father's legacy, it's, it's been very cathartic and very rewarding in that sense. And I've made a ton of new friends. Yeah, so yeah, I have definitely. to say that Gary Con is my favorite con to go to. I'm, I'm also a Wisconsin native. I actually live about 45 minutes away from Lake Geneva. Um, and I, I love Gary Con. It is absolutely my favorite con to go to every year. And I grew up going to Gen Con and I, I loved them too. I was, I was little and it was really cool to go as a small child back when it was in Milwaukee. Um, I never got to go when it was in Lake Geneva. I think it had grown <laughs> past that by the time I was able to, to play. But um, 
Yeah, I love Gary Khan and I love what you've done with Gary Khan. You know, um, losing somebody who you love very much is always hard. And something that is very therapeutic is turning it into something amazing and good, you know, um, and, and taking that tragedy and just remembering the good times and getting people together to collaborate and remember somebody as iconic as your father is such an amazing thing. And um, all that Gary Khan's become has been amazing. I don't have one bad thing to say about it. Oh, thank you. That's, that's, that, that's really, it means a lot to hear people say that and how uh, people have referred to it as, it's like uh, a family reunion, but with the family you choose, <laughs> not your real family, right? It's your gamer family. And uh, uh, just friendships have sprung up and people come every year because that's that's where they, they meet up and they hang out and they play their annual game. It, it, and it's just very important. There's all sorts of creative uh, ventures have been launched um, mm -hmm. through, through people meeting, just like D&D &D was created through Gen Con and uh, you know, Dave Arneson and my dad, you know, meeting and boom, you know, similar things, similar things happen. And what a wonderful way just for me personally to, you know, A, my family gets together uh, once a year and we're spread to the four winds, right? So that's great yep. uh, from a personal standpoint. And I've gotten to reconnect with a bunch of uh, guys that I knew as, knew me as a kid. And now I get to know them as an adult, like, you know, uh, Tim Kask, uh, Jim Ward, Mike Carr, uh, David McGarry, I just knew kind of very briefly, but he's a nice gentleman and I've gotten to, to know him a, a bit more. And there was a rift between the Dave Arneson camp and the Gary Gygax camp because there was a, they split uh, in gosh, 76 or I mean, it was a while ago. So I didn't know the details of it. <clears throat> of course, you know, being my, in my family, Dave Arneson was a bad guy, right? You know, he's, oh, he's causing you. Know, he was sued, sued my dad and, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, but I figured, you know what, that's a, <laughs> that was a pretty long time ago. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting any money from Dungeons and Dragons at all. Uh, none of you guys are getting money from Dungeons and Dragons. Why are we going to fight about this? So right. why don't you come to GaryCon and let's remember Dave. Let's remember my dad. Let's remember uh, Professor Barker, who made a great game called Empire of the Petal Thrones that, you know, didn't get much attention, uh, you know, certainly, the, you know, national market so, but it's a great game super cool and was a contemporary of Dungeons and Dragons uh, perhaps slightly influenced by it but it was really a contemporary uh, just like the game Dungeon a board game Dungeon was a contemporary of D&D uh, &D. it was created prior you know kind of at the same time um, which I always thought it was a derivative work but it wasn't uh, so it's just it's just neat to be able to connect with all these old folks uh, old guys David uh, uh, David Wesley uh, comes there. Uh, Mike Reese, who wrote Tractives with my dad. Uh, Jeff Perrin, who made Chainmail, which was the rule set with a fantasy supplement, which is one of the steps on the way to creating Dungeons and Dragons. That's where a lot of the combat rules were kind of drawn from, the man-to-man -man yeah. rules and, and fantasy supplement and Chainmail. So Jeff is still there. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's neat. It's very neat to be able to do that and connect. And then of course, tons and tons of new friends. Being able to show new gamers people who were exposed to fifth edition, introduce them to these, these folks, let them walk through a, a really cool series we have called the Legends of Wargaming uh, with a gentleman named Paul Stormberg who helps uh, coordinate that. So uh, a hardworking guy who has a great passion for uh, the history of, of Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, uh, he puts together a, a wonderful display and helps coordinate all these games where you can play chainmail with 
know, Jack Perrin or Kevlar's and Roundheads and you know, some of the guys who uh, created the games you get to play with them, you know, tactics with Mike Reese and his son who comes to help him out now because uh, Mike's a little older uh, <clears throat> and, and that sort of thing. So that, that's, that's pretty amazing. Of course, we have a strong representation nowadays with uh, the Adventures League, which is the organized play arm for Wizards. Uh, Wizards comes to Gary Khan uh, since Gary Khan 8. Uh, they had uh, representation there and have, you know, have been, uh, you know, sponsors and, and that sort of stuff. So it's yeah. spans from, you know, the Siege at Bodenburg to, you know, or Bronstein and Siege at Bodenburg all the way to fifth edition latest stuff. There should be a panel that talks about Thacker so that those people. <laughs> yeah, we do have, we have like a D&D &D across the, across the ages or D&D across the editions where there was, you know, you have Tim Cask sitting on there with Mike Morals and a couple guys in between. So you get, you know, from OD&D to fifth edition and talk yeah. about the design philosophies and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a unique, <laughs> unique opportunity. I don't see it as a fly. I, I, I try to, to threaten that I'll bring Thacker back into a game that I run just, just to <laughs> <laughs> set the story straight. It's not that hard, it's just math. Yeah, it's just math, but it's the way it's complicated. But it, again, it's it's an amazing system from you know the beginning of D and D to what it's become now, and, and the the giant metamorphosis of the entire thing. And you have folks like Daniel that write supplements, and he's not part of the system. He's he's external coming in, and and you know people were going after that. And I I've interviewed a lot of people that are writing art. I mean, not art, but um material for Dungeons and Dragons and they've slightly turned into that storyteller mode or going down like the world of darkness path on some stuff and you know it's just you know reintroducing stuff like we talked about Jameson Stone did a, a Red Opera and that's kind of like go merging both of those worlds together which is pretty unique and I think D&D is slowly going down uh, that story path storyteller path and and stuff like that as it continues to to grow in fame with uh you know the digital world now with uh D, D beyond and roll 20 and how we can zoom games instead of getting around that table like you've mentioned you know it was hard to find people to play with in your town and, and playing in the 80s was hard i always make the joke that like i was the kid in the basement with the swinging light and you know yeah. it's like taboo to play and the miniatures weren't they were just pieces of paper on a little slit because they didn't have you know you didn't have that kind of money to get these badly made <laughs> miniatures <that laughs> now. um so yeah it's just the way it's grown and it evolved is pretty awesome uh, hey yeah miniatures were expensive that was that was oh, no yeah, joke was... i mean and uh, even if you got the plastic ones those were rare those were like uh the German elastilins cost yeah. a lot of money back in the day. Like and I said, my dad was poor. Yeah. yeah. And I, it, it was rough. Um, Daniel, you've been pretty quiet this whole time. You got, you got any questions? No, it's, it's, it's funny listening to Luke. It's like when I start talking about radioisotopes, <laughs> um, like, yeah, it, it's funny. Cause like I was tracking maybe 20% of all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's really cool getting a lot of the history that, you know, I you know, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that was going on with D&D &D before D&D &D and D&D &D now and then the whole dynamics of the system and, uh, you know, Gary Khan. I haven't been to a con yet. 
my first con i'm actually going to be a special guest for that's my very first con i've been playing D D for 33 years and i've never like been to one and jenna's like oh you should come to gen con you should come to Jerry, uh, Jerry con. You should <laughs> my i'm kind of in the same boat man yeah i haven't been to con since 94 uh, and that was a weird larping con that i went to just because i don't know i wanted to spend the time trying to kill my best friend's character like that's that's oh, what, yeah. what i do and with oh, the best guys. part Come to, to Wisconsin. Me. Come to all the great cons. I love it. Well, we'll see. I, I grew up on cons, yeah. so I've been a con, uh, a connoisseur of cons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Wisconsin has some good ones too. There's yeah. definitely some good ones. So my 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 friend uh, uh, Alex Cameron yep. does GameCon in Madison, and that's a yep. fantastic convention. Well run, great group of guys. Yep. So that's happening in October. You've got Gary Con and Lake Steva in March, yep. and I, I would argue those are. I would say they're you're one and two, and Alex and I can arm wrestle over which one is one and two. Uh, uh, they're both, one, if I'm yeah. being <laughs> I, I would say that too, but I'm sure Alex has a different perspective. Uh, but we're, well, we're, yeah. we're I'm, I'm Alex is yeah, Alex is great. <laughs> Alex is great. He's a good friend, so I'll, I'll have a friendly, no, he's, a friendly he argument. Great. Yeah, no, great, great team. He has a great team there too. So, and they always come to Gary Con and, and represent. But, but yeah, conventions are cool. The smaller conventions, you know, 5,000 ish people and under kind of have a little bit of different feel than maybe an Origins or a Gen Con or one of the PAXs uh -huh. uh, where you get tens of thousands, you know, upwards 70,000 people. Those That's are a little less hard. personal, certainly mm -hmm. more sparkle in the sense of, you know, their exhibit halls are vast and, and people have probably had to invest a lot more. Uh, to be there, Gen Con, like if you want to launch a new product, that's that's the yeah. big show. That's where you might do it. Mm -hmm. But I prefer the more intimate, smaller conventions, personally. Yeah, I think so that if you're I, pick one, I'd, I'd start a small one. I, I think you. the Ice and Dice is going to, I think we're up to 500 is our max that we're going to throw out there. Because um, keep it, you know, nice and small and then obviously COVID restrictions still, but to it's actually a world of darkness reunion. They're getting all the world of darkness folks together and then hopefully it'll pan out in their, their panels and, and, and that stuff. But to have all of them there and some folks from TSR and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of other artists and, and folks there. So yeah, I think I, I agree, even though I haven't been to a con, but like to watch those huge ones, especially like Gen Con and stuff, it's just so massive. Like I don't know how you could hear yourself talking at a table. I just imagine a sea of, tables and dice and like those really boisterous dungeon masters just like belting it out and i'm like oh i don't i don't see that being fun but yeah i do think the smaller ones so I, i'll probably be a small hermit I'm, you know going to all the tiny ones just to get that experience and to hang out with with you guys at gary con just to have that experience and, and that knowledge base that's around because you can go up to someone and be like hey during the second edition age like what this book <laughs> can you explain a little bit you know i've always grown up wanted to ask those questions of certain things well, Ze zeb cook zeb cook comes to GaryCon, and yeah. he was the guy who put together second edition so uh you could certainly ask him mike carr probably did some editing maybe even in that era and well in the first edition more so he might have moved on but uh, there's tons and tons of folks uh who are at GaryCon that you can ask that and in fact they have a tsr re we hold a tsr reunion on saturday evening Mm -hmm. uh, and that draws in, you know, not only your artists and designers, but, you know, Sue from accounting or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. You want to welcome everybody in, you know, 
and it's yeah. a good opportunity for them to get together. And I'm sure that would be very popular this year because COVID, right? And they'll get, oh, man. get to be together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, I'm, I guess I've known Margaret Weiss for forever and ever, but she comes. We had Tracy Hickman uh, come to Gary Conning. I think it was, was it, might have been 2018, might not, he might not have made 2019, uh, but just a ton, you know, Larry Elmore's there every year, I mean, I love Larry, uh, Jeff Easley still in Lake Geneva, uh, Jeff Butler does a bunch of our artwork, um, yeah. yeah, as well as Easley have, have done a ton, so just like a lot of great classic artists, uh, right. funny story, <laughs> so I think this is funny, I'll just throw it, we'll say, so my little brother grew up playing magic, mostly, right, I've, I think I just didn't ever play Magic so much because the year it came out at Gen Con, I was like, a card game about fantasy card game? That sounds stupid. So I missed the boat and I think I've been bitter ever since then. Uh, but obviously it's a great game. It has tons of light. I mean, what a fantastic game, right? So I can't argue, but he loves Magic. And so he'll run little Magic tournaments and stuff like that, my brother Alex. And uh, uh, <laughs> he came to me and he's like, uh, he's like, whoa. He's like, uh, Gary Khan's really getting to be something. I was like, oh, yeah, he's like, yeah, Charles Urbach is here. He's like a great magic art gathering artist. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's hilarious. And, and I had just had a conversation with Charles who did, uh, he did the Gary Con 11 artwork and he did a masterful job. He works in colored pencil, just a super nice guy. But I, I talked to him and uh, I really wanted to come and meet some of the, my icons, right? And be able to be at a convention with them. And here my little brother's like, oh yeah, Larry, Jeff, he's what, you know, who cares? Those guys. Yeah, that's it. We got Charles Urbach here. Charles, I told him that story. He just liked it. That, that, that was hilarious. Yeah. I guess it's all perspective. I, that'd be a horrible like, you stand there and then someone just walks up with a shoebox of cards. Can you sign all of these? You know, I could just see her. Oh, no. Charles, Charles is the nicest Never. dude, though. He would probably do it. He's, he's just a super uh, nice guy. But then I'm again, gamers are generally good people, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm easily comes to the uh, the Ice and Dice Con because I, I I'm shipping all my second edition books to to the the guy that's running the con. He's he's bringing me and Mark mm -hmm. Reinhagen over from Europe to to go to the con, and I'm like, he's like, oh, this person will be there, and I'm like looking at all my I only have second edition and first edition books. I have two fifth edition books, but the rest of I, yeah. So I'm like bringing them all. Yeah, I know. I look behind you, and I'm just like, oh my god. I know. I, I just want them all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's so, pretty much all my, like, those are all the books like that my dad gave me mostly, and then some Gaxmore stuff. And a few, a few extra copies. But yeah, these are mostly adventures, you know, that I ran with my pop nice. and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's the really cool thing about being able to sit and talk with you is to, you know, share those memories, but like to, to see that, you know, you could turn around at any moment. You could be having a bad meeting on Zoom or, you know, sitting at your desk going over something, but you can turn around and just be like, you know, my family, my father, this, you know, you can turn around and see the history just built in there and it's always going to be there forever, which is one of those, you know, moments that it's got to be. It is. That is, that is really neat. And I'll be honest with you. I did not like it all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was not something that was, that was easy uh, because, you know, you're always living in someone's shadow, right? Everyone would be like, your dad did this, your dad did this. So that was pretty strange. So what appealed to me partially about the army, like I said, my dad lost his company. My parents were uh, getting a divorce. I just said, you know what? I'm not going to ask you one of you for money to go to college. I'm going to go ahead and send myself. And so at 18, I did a year of college and I paid for it. 
And then I just said, you know what, I, I enlisted in the army and, and got out and sent myself to school. But uh, in the army, you know, the name tip, Gygax on there, and everybody would be like, Gygax, any relation to it? And I was like, yeah. And so that would it kind of put me off, right? Yeah. It, it, first, even though I'd make friends, but it, you know, I want to be known for who I am versus something else. So the army helps with that because, you know, you got your, you know, your cool, cool guy, cool kid badges five, and five, yeah. yeah, and whatever, you know, whatever you've done and <clears throat> that way it kind of helps you, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, especially then when my father, you know, obviously I, I much more came to groups as, as you become a grown up and, you know, obviously I talked to my father more and, and, and grew close. <laughs> as a teenage boy, you know, my dad and I got into arguments, right? You know, because I wanted yeah. to do my own thing, right? So he's, he's my dad. He's guy's like, hey, do the dishes. Like, I'm going to do the dishes, you know, right? Take out the trash. All the, all the normal stuff. He was, he was a dad too, right? He was my dad. Right, right, right. Uh, so sometimes he had to, you know, set me straight, right? Uh, but, you know, when I was in the army, he was very proud that I was, that I, that I was uh, you know, in the military and all this sort of stuff. Uh, uh, but certainly when he, when he passed away, it was another level of kind of awkwardness for me when people would come up and talk to me and thank me for what my father had done, right? right. And that I did, it was, it was very strange. And I like, oh, okay, he's no longer here. And so they want to share that with somebody. I am that avenue to be able to share. So I am able to just now graciously take whatever whatever someone is, is passing on to me, thank them for it, and really be proud of that, uh, that my father had done that and put it in the right kind of light and be so proud to be able to carry on the right. legacy and, and and promote those things. But but it's hard as a young person. That was that was very hard. And it, it was strange uh, for a few years after he passed to be able to handle that. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know what did <laughs> you know anybody's done on that uh, from a social uh, social work psychological perspective. Oh, don't worry. She she'll just be like, oh, so tell me more about the situation. You know. <laughs> But I, so I, I put out our, the image, the cover that I had done for us, and I asked folks to have questions. And I only got one question, and because mm -hmm. I told them to make it military related, so not a lot of people, like, I got a lot of likes and thumbs ups and stuff, but, mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of already answered it, uh, mm -hmm. and it's it's about squad tactics and gaming. So if you, your experience while gaming with military folks, can you correlate how they do combat versus people that aren't military sure. so it's gonna it, it, i think it will really depend upon your dungeon master and what type of game they're running whether they use miniatures or not whether it's theater of the mind uh i think that will have some influence but if you're using minis in in a map and that sort of stuff then absolutely you're going to be thinking about your lines of fire and you know dropping you know some but of course i i think my dad always referred to he, he talked to me in character classes as, you know, types of military units. Your fighters were, you know, infantry and army or maneuver forces, right? Your yeah. cleric was going to be, you're kind of like your medical corps and that sort of thing. Your right. um, wizards, magic users were the artillery dropping in the, you know, an air support and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, the thief might be, you know, some sort of special forces or whatever going behind lines and, and, and right. doing whatever the case may be, getting that sneak attack from the rear and unexpected location so you kind of think about it's a combined combined arms fight with your a well-mixed uh, party uh, and then uh, certainly yeah you're, you get your tactics I remember doing that when I was in OCS with my dad and he was having none of it because <laughs> I think I was I was it might have been legendary adventures or something we we're playing but it's you know fantasy role-playing regardless and I think I was uh, uh, some sort of uh, elf uh, more or less uh, and 
we had bows. And so it's like, okay, great. So uh, I've got like 12 or 20 elves with me. I was like, great, I'm going to have, <clears throat> you know, 10 of them with their bows. They're going to just lay down, uh, continuously fire in this <laughs> area where these fire. ogres are. I'd make it hard for them to move while we maneuver over this way and get ready. And we're going to charge in. And, you know, I'm afraid that so we have dice. So it's like, we're not getting tactical here. So we got the dice. We're going to tell it, you know, you can't. So he, he, he called he called nonsense yeah. on that and said no. I did a no, lot of games where we're like, okay, we're battle drill one here, battle, battle mm -hmm. drill two alpha over here. You know, and it's like, oh, we're going to breach. So like alpha teams here. And I'm like, can we just play? you know i switched it because you know I, the same way i just was curious if, if you've yeah. done that sure. but I, I do i do know that like when i want play with military folks like they do have that strategic strategy of like taking down a building or whatever or they're breaching through windows or <clears throat> i ran a game for five people they're all rangers and they they only wanted to play rangers because they are rangers and, and <laughs> And I'm, like, not, not, I'm like, it's not, it's, I'm like, it's not the same. same. It's not the same. But they're like, no, man, I got a ranger tab. I mean, I want to be a ranger. <laughs> All right. So what animal okay. do you want? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, rangers were super cool in first edition. I thought. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And, and they're not as cool anymore in fifth no, edition. No, I think the bards have taken over from, from first and second to now yeah. in fifth edition, they are at the top one, but uh, we're, we're getting to the end. And so, and I've been waiting, this is a probably besides getting the opportunity to talk to you every so often and having you come on the show. So at the end of every episode, I, I put everybody in a, in a scenario and just to get the, like how you do things. So it, it's a 1980s basement. You get one core book plus one additional book. Uh, pick your set of dice, your snacks, one person you would play with. For 24, you're on CQ. So you'd be the only person to get this besides Daniel. So you're on CQ for 24 <laughs> hours uh, okay. in the basement. Who who would you have? Who would DM the game? And, and what would that be? Well, for me, it's this is super easy. It's kind of like cheating. Uh, I would just uh, I would game with my dad if I could game with my dad again because that's what that's what we did a whole yeah. bunch of solo adventuring. Of course, would be uh, probably the AD and D. Uh, yeah. Dungeon Master's Guide. I think that's a, a wonderful core book. It has, uh, I think, it, pretty much everything you need to run in there. It might even have like some monster stats, like it does, real it, broken it has monster everything. stats in the back, if I remember right. Yeah. Yep. So that so that would be it. And a core book would be nice to have, uh, you know, your player's handbook, just maybe for spells and stuff like that, for some of the details in there. Uh, yep. That would be fun. And yeah, I would I would love to do that because I played uh, Melf, my character Melf. Um, I solo played him with my dad probably 50 to 60 percent of the time and went through uh the lost caverns of saj camp uh nice. from front <laughs> from beginning to end uh and that was it you know a lot of that was solo adventuring uh with just one henchman one npc uh, uh character that i had biff a halfling fighter fighter thief and melf was a fighter magic user and i went like from like sixth or seventh level all the way up to like 11th level, 12th level, yeah, I think. I think yeah, it got up there. Yeah. Because I played, uh, we tied uh, WG4, the Lost Temple of Thrizen, into that one as well. So played all through there. So yeah, I think every single room in, in the locker room of Sajkin. <laughs> so because nice. I play tested it. You know, it was the play test. So that was, that was a lot of fun. So that that was uh, epic times, good, good stuff. 
Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Roll. Join us each week as we interview folks within the gaming and entertainment industry, such as writers, illustrators, artists, podcasts, Twitch and YouTube streamers, social media content creators, handcrafted gaming apparel and merchandise, and much more. You can find Maximum Roll on Apple and Spotify and anywhere else you find your podcast. If you want to be interviewed on the show, just email us at MaximumRollEntertainment at gmail.com or Instagram at Maximum underscore Roll underscore Entertainment underscore LLC. And if you like Maximum Roll, check out some of the other Dungeons & Dragons podcasts and streams on the Maximum Roll Entertainment Podcast Network, such as... Ah, you know what? I'm just going to let them tell you about their shows. Looking for unique and fun twists to your normal D&D podcast? Well, then check out Crumpets and Kerosene. This fun-filled homebrew game takes our adventurers from the modern world into a land of roving gangs of killer clowns, creepy British children, and the mating habits of dragons, and even Santa Claus. Join Jason, Alora, Merle, Sophia, Quentin, and Serene as they quest their way through the realms of mystery and evil. You can find Crumpets and Kerosene on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, and everywhere else you find podcasts. You can also find us on Patreon. Just search Crumpets and Kerosene and get even more wild and crazy fun. Hey, hey, stop on by dnd420.com. We're a guild of role players brought and bound together by Common Drive, the love of role playing games. We bring our individual skills and personalities together to breathe life into the worlds and games created by our game masters. We also offer podcasts such as Late Night with Jess and Jam. We have custom content, a bestiary for 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, and a Discord server where you can find games or just hang out and make new friends. That's dnd420.com. Need some excitement on that morning drive to work? Welcome, adventurers, to Constructed Chaos, a live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast full of unpredictable antics, borking doggos, and engaging fantasy storytelling and roleplay. With sessions recorded in a professional studio setting, you'll feel every bit of the action and hear every snide remark by the snarky NPCs. Jump in and have a listen to our flagship campaign, The Wrath of Zealous, to help us construct some chaos. This is Mark Reinhagen, creator of Vampire the Masquerade and all those other monster games. If you like what I did before, you're going to love the Accursed series of games using a narrative version of the D20 5e game system, in which you play cursed beings in a dark fantasy setting called Lost Lorn. I'm working with a collective of artists, writers, and game designers called the Tailspinners to bring this world and these games to life, and you're welcome to join us on the ride. We are releasing a new zine every month, uh, which in a series of six, detail and outline a unique and amazing campaign setting. We started with Bloodstone Isle and are moving next onto Invictus, the city of bridges. For a nominal sum, you can get these delivered to you monthly on Patreon. Just type in patreon.com backslash lostlorn. Thanks for listening. Games like Dungeons and Dragons are more popular than ever. But with tons of rules, mountains of books, and so many dice, it can be hard to know where to get started. That's where Dungeoneering with Jason comes in. We're Dungeon Masters for Hire. Take a break and let us run your next game. 
One-on-one -on -one tutorials are also available for new DMs. Contact Dungeoneering with Jason today. Adventure is just a click away. Music